0: I've got some exciting news for all of you this morning. I don't know if you know this or not, but there's a great new restaurant that's coming to Salina. Have you heard about Pepper Jack's coming to Salina? Anybody heard that? Does anybody even know about Pepper Jack's? A few of you. So my family and I, we lived in in Omaha, Nebraska for seven years before coming to Salina. And Omaha is where Pepper Jack's started, and it's really this amazing restaurant. It's going to be a really treat for our community. They're really well known for their Philly cheese steak sandwiches, and uh, we've my family's been to Philadelphia and we've had cheesesteak sandwiches in Philadelphia. Pepper Jack's cheese steak sandwiches are much better than the ones in Philadelphia they're really good. And besides that, they got really awesome salads and they have amazing rice bowls. Now I not I didn't used to be a person who was really a big fan of rice bowls, but when I had a Pepper Jack's rice bowl, I'm like I became a huge fan. And in fact, our family thinks their rice bowls are better than Chipotle's rice bowls. So, anybody hungry that's out there right now? So you're thinking, like, where's this going in the message, right? Like, why are we talking about restaurants? So I've been this last week since I found this out. I've been telling all my friends in Salina that Pepper Jack's is going to be coming in a couple of months. And now I'm going to write them and tell them I've told 800 people at church, and I'm expecting them to give me a gift certificate or something to be able to go have lunch there at some time. Now, Pepper Jack's is a really good restaurant, but in no means do I think if you go there and eat there that you're going to have a life-changing experience at Pepper Jack's. It's good, but... It's not that good. And so it's fun, though, to go to a restaurant like that and enjoy really good food, and especially if we go with family or friends. But generally those aren't life-changing experiences, and yet we, we don't hesitate to tell our friends and our family about a really good restaurant like Pepper Jack's. Or, you know, if we went and saw this really great movie to tell everybody, oh, you need to go see this movie. It's so good. It's really great. You should go see it. You know, Diane and I lived in Kansas City for 17 years, and then we were in Omaha for seven before coming here. And when we hear people that are going to go to Kansas City or Omaha and they've never been there before, we love to tell them about some things that we think they would really enjoy doing in those places and maybe some places to go eat. And we don't hesitate because we want to—we want our friends to experience some of the joy that we've experienced in some of those places and to hear those stories and share some of those experiences so they can experience those same things as well. So my question as we begin this morning is, why as Christians do we so often hesitate to to share the story about how Jesus has been at work in our lives with others? You know, Jesus can be the one person that really can lead to a truly life-changing relationship with others. It would seem to me that that we would want to tell people about what Jesus has done in our lives so that they might be able to experience the the life-changing presence of Christ in their lives too, that they would receive that benefit. Now, if you're someone who's placed your faith in Christ, uh, you have a story. You have a story about what Jesus has done in your life. Somebody impacted you with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Somebody cared and, and reached out to you. Somebody made a difference in your life. But but most importantly, Jesus has given you a story about his transforming grace at work in your life. So what's your story? Well, I want to share just a little bit of my story with you this morning. Uh, you know, when I was a freshman in high school, my family moved here in the middle of my freshman year. And uh, just to give a little background to that, that story, uh, a year and a half before that, we'd actually moved from Topeka, Kansas, to Beaumont, Texas. We were there for a year and a half, and then we moved to Salina, Kansas, in the middle of my freshman year. And and many of you who've gone through uh, high school, you realize, you know, those years of adolescence, they're pretty tough. Like, your body's changing. Uh, For some of us, our voice changed quite a bit. I used to sing first soprano in the children's choir, and then you can hear my voice now. You know, so just a lot of change. And And unfortunately, when we're doing going through some of those changes, not every kid is really encouraging in that process. In fact, they sometimes use that as an opportunity to make fun of you. And I can remember we moved to Salina, you know, and it was really a challenge time anyway. And then just moving twice in a year and a half, like, I was really tired of all that stuff. And I was discouraged and really didn't want to put myself out there. I didn't really feel confident in myself and discouraged. And so I wanted to isolate myself so that I wouldn't risk anything. But, you know... When you're discouraged and you're lonely, isolation's not really a good thing. And there were a couple of Christian men that really impacted my life at the end of my freshman year. They began to invest in me. They built a friendship with me. They began to share about Jesus and that relationship with me as well. And, and I began to be impacted by Jesus and his love for me. And those guys invited me into a couple of youth group experiences that were really powerful at that time in my life. And to be able to develop a group of friends with other Christians that were the same age and they were encouraging and supportive, I really began to feel the love of Christ in my life, and I began to experience His transforming power in my life. And I really began to be uh, comfortable with who God had created me to be and to not only be comfortable, be confident in that, and to really be encouraged and to have good, trusting relationships with some other peers that love Jesus and they love me as well. And if you looked at me as a freshman in high school, to my sophomore year in high school, it was a big change. It was a big difference. I was a very different person. Jesus had brought about a lot of transformation in my life in a very short period of time. Now, that's a little bit of my story about how God has impacted my story. But, but what's your story? Where have you been? Where were you when Jesus found you? Because that's what Jesus does, you know. I mean, Jesus, he seeks us out like lost sheep We're told in Scripture. He goes looking for us, like on a mission, like we're precious lost coins. And, and when Jesus finds us, we have the opportunity to fall into his arms. And when that happens, our story changes forever from that point forward. And, and our lives are transformed and everything becomes new. Our, our life gains new meaning. You know, brokenness becomes, moves towards wholeness when we have Christ in our life. Uh, death moves towards life. Misery becomes the joy of the Lord in our life. Anxiety, God can bring uh, peace that surpasses all understanding. Anxiety, you know, that really changes into that peace. And, and that continues as long as we're on track in that relationship with Jesus. Now, we can make, you know, a, a relationship with Jesus sound like everything's great, no problems. And we know if we're Christians, there's still problems, right, in life. Even though we have Jesus on the journey with us, there's still big challenges. Uh, hard things happen. Life is difficult, but, you know, it's a, it's a joy to have Christ on that journey with you, and it makes it a lot better when we go through those things to have the companion of Christ, the divine presence of God with us as we walk through that. And so we're on a journey, this journey of life with Jesus, and it's not always an easy journey, but it would be boring if it was easy, right? It'd also be fruitless if it was easy, but we live in a lost and a broken world. And there's so much work to be done. There's work to be done in our lives, but also work to be done in the lives of others as well. And besides, it wasn't easy for Jesus, God's very son, when he was here on the earth as well. And so how would we expect it to be easy for us as well? So in the, the Bible story this morning, Jesus and his disciples take a boat trip. They're going from Galilee to the other side of the lake, and they're looking for a lost man. It seems like Jesus is on a mission to have a connection with this very guy that they come into contact with. And so it's the opposite side of their home. It's like going to the other side of the tracks. It's where the non-Jews lived. Jews typically didn't go to this area of the region, and it was a dirty and it was an unclean place. It was a dangerous place, and they stepped into a seemingly life-and-death situation as they find this kind of lunatic man that Jesus is looking for. And we're told in the story that the man is driven by a legion of demons. And and it's as if if he's hardly even human any longer when we see him at the beginning of the story. We see evil and confusion and darkness. And it's so consumed, this guy's thoughts and and his life, that he no longer knows how to live among other people. Uh, And instead, he lives in the tombs. And he lives among the dead. He's naked, we're told. He's unpredictable, he's violent, he's feared by that community, and he's alone. And we're told that the man was so often possessed that the townsfolk would often have to put him in leg irons and chains, chains and place him under guard. And he would break his restraints, and then the demons would force him to run into the wilderness where he'd be raving alone, left in the, in the place of extreme loneliness and despair. And as I read through that story a few times this week, I began to think about you know, there, there's probably a lot of people in our neighborhoods, in our community, that are experiencing great loneliness and despair. Maybe it's hard to tell from the outside, but if you get to know people in and, and some stories well enough, you know there's, there's a lot of that that's going on right now. There's a lot of people that are challenged with some of those things. And you never really know how miserable some people are. Kind of as an extreme example, just, just think of, have us look at the life of Michael Jackson for a little bit. You know the king of pop. I mean, from the outside, it looked like Michael Jackson had everything, right? Uh, he was he was beyond famous. I mean, he had millions, probably even billions of fans all over the world. But inside, he was confused. He was broken. He was lonely. If you read a story, you're going to find out he was somebody who struggled mightily with being unhappy and even with self-loathing. And again, on the outside, it all looked great, but on the inside, it was like he battled so many demons. And yet, our culture continues to try to live into this American Idol kind of dream. We want to get rich. We want to be famous. We want, to, we want all the, the big house and all the cars and everything that comes with it. And we think somehow that all those things are going to bring us satisfaction and take us away from misery. In the Bible story, again this morning, we're told that when this demon-possessed man saw Jesus, he shrieked and he fell down at his feet. And then he shouted, What do you want with me? Jesus, Son of the Most High God. And we're told that in some form or fashion the demons begged Jesus not to order them to go into the abyss, even if it meant they had to enter into a herd of pigs, which turned out to be their means of self-destruction, right? Because then in the story goes on, the herd of pigs rush over the cliff and into the lake and they drown. And so there's a biblical symbolism that's going on here that means that they they actually did go back into the abyss as a result of that. But if we move forward in the story, we come to the next scene that the man, that the demons have been released from. Literally, uh, he's sitting now at Jesus' feet. He's fully dressed and he's completely sane. Now, talk about a miracle, right? Think about the before picture of this guy. I mean, a lunatic uh, living in the tombs, crazy, violent, just not in a right mind. And then after Jesus releases the demons from him. He's of sound mind. We're told he's dressed. He's sitting calmly at Jesus' feet. It's a miracle. What a reason for the people of the town and the region to celebrate and give God glory, right? That's not what the story says, though, right? You'd think they'd all be falling down at the feet of Jesus. You'd think they wouldn't want Jesus to leave. Not ever. Like, look at this amazing thing that he did. But odd as it may sound, we often choose to live with the devil we know rather than choose the freedom of which we know nothing about. I think they were scared. Perhaps they'd found a certain comfort level in knowing that there was somebody else in their region that was worse off than they were. Maybe they didn't really want things to change after all. After all, Jesus does disrupt things when he comes into our lives. W- whatever reason, we don't really know for sure. They begged Jesus to get back in his boat and leave, get lost, basically, was what they wanted him to do. But this man who was restored in his right mind, he was converted, he was transformed. He He begs Jesus to get in the boat with him and to go with him and his disciples back to the other side. And who can blame him, right? I mean, the way he'd been treated in his own hometown. And not only has he been rejected, but Jesus now has been rejected as well, the man who healed him. It's kind of a scary idea to have to stay in this land. And while Jesus regularly invites people to follow me, in this story, Jesus commands this man to stay where he is and to declare what God has done for him. That's what it meant for this man to be faithful, was to stay and to tell others about what Jesus had done for him. Jesus tells him to stay here and tell your story. And then Christ, who's never going to force his hand in the situation, got back into the boat and he returned to the other side of the lake. And the formerly uh, demon-possessed man did follow Jesus. He did. He obeyed him. He was faithful. He stayed, and he told all of the town. At the end of the passage, it says, he told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. Now, again, all Christians, we have a story to tell, just like this guy who was no longer demon-possessed. And are we faithfully telling the story of how Jesus has been at work in our life? I had the opportunity, the pleasure last yesterday morning, to go to the uh, Ironman's breakfast. And Kevin Alrick uh, shared his testimony with all the guys who were at the breakfast. And if you haven't heard Kevin's testimony, my hope is that we're going to have him share it sometime in much greater length here on a Sunday morning. But Kevin, uh, two years ago, was in desperate need of a heart transplant. His physical heart was failing. He was going to die if he didn't get a new heart. And so he was pretty desperate. And in his desperation, he also really was seeking God Desperately as well. And what was amazing was that God did bring a heart to him. He, he's had a transplant. He's doing great. He's doing remarkable now. But even before he got the physical heart transplant, God transplanted his spiritual heart before he got the physical heart. God gave him a new heart that loved him fully, and, and he was passionately uh, seeking Christ. And ever since that heart transplant Jesus or Kevin has been going all over Salina, Kansas and telling people about what Jesus has done in his life. He's been all over Facebook telling people what Jesus has done about in his life. And as he told that story yesterday morning, I was thinking immediately of this passage I've been looking at this week and thinking, Kevin's just like this guy in the story. And why is it that we aren't like this guy in the story telling others about what Jesus has done in our life? You know, it's really interesting. All all of those who Christ, whom Christ has saved, uh, as those whom Christ has called to be his church, he's given us the great commission, right? The great mission for the church. He tells me and he tells you to go and to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And then he gives us the promise. Beyond that, he says, I'm going to, my myself, am with you every day, as you do this until the, the end of the present age. So Jesus in this story, he hands over the responsibility, even the authority of telling the story to the man whom he just saved, to the man who had fallen at his feet at the beginning, who was a crazy lunatic, to the man who was raised to new life through Jesus, through his power and his love, to the man who lived in the foreign land, to the land that was non-Jewish. This man, this man became a living testimony of what Jesus had done in his life, that Jesus is both Lord and Savior, and that Jesus saves. If that man had gotten into the boat and gone with Jesus and his disciples, think about how easy it would have been for those people in that town, in that region, to forget what had happened that day. But instead, it was always before them, through this man living with them and telling them that story. The truth that sets people free was standing right in front of them. Again, all people, it doesn't matter what they do in their life, doesn't matter how great they may seem on appear on the outside, every person needs to be made well, needs to be made whole. And until a person gives their life to Jesus Christ, whether it's obvious to the naked eye or not, they're living among the dead in a, in a graveyard of despair and darkness. And amazingly, many people don't want to be made well. They resist it or they don't understand it or they're still chasing the false promises that this world offers, the fool's gold. Maybe they're just scared. And so they choose the devil they know over the freedom they don't understand or they don't know. And whatever the reason, they refuse to make a choice for Jesus. And it's basically telling Jesus, hey, Jesus, why don't you get back in the boat and and move along? And again, Jesus doesn't force his hand in any situation. He also doesn't give up on anyone. And so as the former demoniac was called to stay where he was and to be the living testimony to that region, we too, we too are called to be a testimony for Christ where we live. Everyone who's been saved by Jesus has a story to tell, a before and an after story. And the after story isn't that like it's all fixed and everything's great and that, you know, Jesus is done with us. No, it's still Jesus at work in our lives moving forward. But we have a story to tell. I go back to the last verse that was read this morning, 1 Peter 3.15. Peter writes, he says, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. You know, I've known that verse for quite a while. And initially when I would see that verse and read that verse, I always thought the idea of giving an answer was like that I had to know all the answers to every question i had to be able to give all, every biblical and theological reason why why people should follow god and and i had somebody finally just help me understand no 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 you don't have to give and not to understand everything you know no just just tell the story about how god has been at work in your life that's your answer what has god done in your life that gives you hope that's in christ that's the answer so, and it also makes me think about the story of the blind man that was healed by Jesus in John chapter 9. I don't know if you remember this story, but there's a blind man. He's been blind since birth, and uh, he's an adult now, and Jesus heals him, and he can see. And in the story, it goes on, and Jesus basically moves on in his ministry. But then the community begins to hear about what happened, and they see this guy can see. And the religious leaders hear about that as well. And they're kind of like the townspeople that uh, the, the de- demoniac man was at. And they're kind of confused about Jesus, and they're unsure, and they're anxious. And so they bring him in basically to interview him. They want to find out more about Jesus, and they start asking him all these kinds of questions. They suspect he wasn't really born blind. It's just a a story, a fabrication and then it's proven through testimony, no, 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 this guy was really blind. And then they begin to ask him direct questions about Jesus. Do you think he's a prophet? Uh, do you think he's a sinner? What do you think? Who do you think he is? And the guy's like overwhelmed. He doesn't know what to say, and he doesn't know the answers. And he basically looks down at the leaders, and he says, I don't know. I don't know if Jesus is a prophet. I don't know if he's the son of God. I, I don't know if he's a sinner like you tell me he is. He says, all I know, all I know is I was once blind. And now I see. That's the story that we can tell people. Whatever that is, it doesn't have to be dramatic like God healing our blindness, but whatever that story is of how God has been at work in your life. You see, everyone who's been saved by Jesus has a story. Are you faithfully telling your story? If, we're, if we've been found that at one point we were lost, and we're called to be living testimonies. We're called to tell the story, to tell our story. We're called to confront evil, sickness, demons, darkness, the lost and the lonely with the power of the story of what Jesus has done for us. And thus what Jesus can and will do for those who believe. That's why First Covenant Church is here. We're God's mission outpost, literally for the message of Jesus Christ to the neighborhoods of our city, to the region of Saline County, to north central Kansas. We're called to tell the people in this area how much God has done for us and how much God wants to do for them as well. We're called to witness. We're called to give hope to the hopeless. We're called to bring light to the darkness. What an adventure. What an exciting time to be a Christian. What an exciting place to be in. And when we faithfully live into in and in who and what God is calling us to be and to do, we're going to find life. We're going to find life in abundance. So what's your story? What has Jesus done in your life? What what is He continuing to do in and through you right now? And as I close this morning, I, I just want to ask you take your worship guide that you've received as you came in this morning. And I want to I invite you to take a pen. There's pens in the seat, in the back of the seat in front of you. I want you to take that worship guide, take a pen out. And what I'd like you to do is actually think about maybe three things, three ways that God has worked in your life, that Jesus has been at work in your life, and maybe at work right now in your life. And so often I forget, I get complacent about what God has done in my life, but I want us to remember again, what are three things that God has done in my life? I just want to invite you to take some time. I'm just going to take a minute or two right now and just write that down on the front of that worship guide. If you don't have a worship guide, see if you can find a scrap of paper somewhere. Again, I find that sometimes it's easy for me to forget, to kind of lose track of some things that God has done in my life. And what I want you to do now as you're thinking about that, and if you haven't gotten three things down, I'd encourage you to do that after the service is over. What I'd like you to do right now is as you look at those three things, I want you to think about what's one person you can share your story with. Maybe it's one of those things that God has done in your life, that Jesus has been at work in your life. Think of someone maybe on your blessed prayer card or somebody in your family, or someone in your neighborhood, or somebody at work, or at school. Who can relate to one of those things in your story? Who would benefit from hearing how God was faithful to you in your life? Write that one person down as well. And here's my encouragement. Are you faithful? We're called to be faithful stewards of the story that God gives to us, to share with others, to share about what Jesus has done in our life. And I shared my story, and if we had time, I'm sure a, hundred, a few hundred people here could share their story about how their lives have been touched by the love and the grace of Christ. And the other thing I want to do right now as we, as we get to the end of the message is, if you're someone who yet, hasn't yet made a decision to ask Jesus to, to be your, your leader of your life, to bring him into your heart, I would invite you right now, this day, to do that. I'm going to pray at the end, and if that's something you've, you're ready to do, I'm going to invite you to pray, that prayer with me. You see Jesus Jesus loves you and he wants he wants to be a companion in your life. He wants to walk this journey of life with you and he wants to offer to you his love and his grace and his transformation. You know we talked about earlier that Jesus is somebody who can actually take brokenness and bring wholeness into our lives. He can take despair and he can bring Uh, meaning and purpose to our lives he can take misery and he can bring us his joy into that experience he can take our anxiety and he can bring his peace that surpasses all understanding he can take our guilt about things that we have done that are really bad and he can forgive us and release us from that guilt he can take our anxiety about death and he has eternal life that he has to offer to us Jesus, again, wants to come and bring His unconditional love and His healing grace to your life today. Are you willing to begin to believe in Him today? Are you willing to begin to have faith that He is the Son of God and He is the Lord of Lords? What I'd like to do is actually close in prayer. And as I close in prayer, if that's a decision you're wanting to make today, I'm going to pray a prayer out loud. I'm going to invite you to pray that prayer silently as I pray that prayer out loud. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You. We thank you for this incredible story of of your unconditional love for us, that Jesus was willing to humble himself, take on our flesh, live among us, and then willing to die, die for us and for our sins on the cross, and that the power of your love was demonstrated in his resurrection and that you now offer eternal life to all who believe, all who put their faith in Christ. God, help us to be faithful to tell the story of what you've done in our lives with others that can be impacted by that and can be introduced to who Jesus is and what he can do in their life as well. And now if you're someone who's ready to make that decision to follow Jesus, I invite you to pray with me. Lord Jesus, Jesus, I thank you for your love for me. I thank you that you were willing to come and to die on the cross for my sins and to demonstrate your power and your love through the resurrection. Jesus, today I make a decision to begin to believe in you, to believe that you are the Son of God, that you are who you say you are. And Jesus, I invite you to be the leader of my life, to come into my heart, to lead me as I move forward. Jesus, I'm sorry for the things that I've done that are wrong, the things that I've done that have, that have been bad decisions. And Jesus, I ask that you would forgive me of those things. And I give myself to you, and I pray that you would lead me faithfully as I desire to be your disciple moving forward. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I have two instructions for all of us this morning. If you took time and wrote the three things down and the one person that you can share that with now, let's be faithful to tell those stories to those that can be impacted. And if you made a decision today to, to trust in Christ, then I'm going to invite you, like I'm asking others to share with one person, I'm asking you to share with one person who you know is a Christian today, the decision that you made in prayer, because you need somebody who's going to encourage you and support you moving forward. So it could be somebody who's here. I'd be happy to be that person this morning at the end of the service. But if you know somebody, I want you to tell them about what what decision you made today. Let's celebrate what God is doing in our lives.